Welcome to this episode of Untangled. We're joined by my colleagues Andre and Stephanie. And Andre, Stephanie, I need your help. I'm having a bit of an existential crisis uh, in my career. You know, I've been working for many years now in compliance, but I'm wondering why do we have a compliance function? You know, pyramids were built 4,500 plus years ago. As the workers put the capstone on the Great Pyramid of Giza, did any of them turn around and go, thank goodness for the compliance function helping us build this pyramid? You know, during the Industrial Revolution and during other revolutions, did anyone celebrate a compliance function helping? When Neil Armstrong took the first tentative steps on the moon, did he turn around and go, I made it, thank you so much, business ethics and integrity? I'm just wondering... Do we really need an ethics and compliance function? Or is this in the same category as, you know, a happiness role? One of these made up jobs that someone's come up with in the past few years. Help me out here. Save me from myself. Well, one could argue that all jobs are made up jobs. (laughs) Well, I mean, on that point, Stephanie, I mean, a company that produces security apps just recently has announced that they will not have any job titles. None of the roles will have any job titles. So why, why do we need this specialism? Well, it was interesting. I read something the other day about, actually, it was on LinkedIn. Somebody had posted about, it was a CEO who had posted about his company that didn't have an HR function because he didn't feel that an HR function was necessary, which was frankly just an attention-grabbing headline because when you actually drill down into it, he did have HR people doing HR jobs. He just didn't put them in a, top, in a department called HR. And I think... You could make the same argument for compliance function. You could say we don't need a separate function. Um, you know, why does it need to be its own separate department, et cetera, et cetera? You could say, you know, incorporate it into an existing department already. But I think the fundamental principle is you still need people who focus on it as a topic or a concept. And I was thinking about this um, sort of broader question about why we need, or or if we do need, a compliance and ethics function. And and I think my my short answer is yes <laughs> but you know maybe that just sounds self-interested my my longer answer is yes but <laughs> and i think followed by as long as it focuses on the things it should focus on and i think for for a very long time compliance functions have focused on potentially the wrong things or things that are not necessarily um making a clear business case for why they exist as a as a standalone function but i think if you look at where compliance and ethics functions or whatever companies choose to call them these days are are moving it's definitely heading more in a sort of down the ethics integrity behaviors values route and less the rules compliance sort of focus and i think if you if you think about what you're trying to achieve in that space, you could argue very strongly that you need a function to do it. And I'm, I'm going to hand over to Andre in a minute, but there was just one other thing I wanted to, to sort of highlight to that is um, if I think about where I think a function such as compliance and ethics adds the most value into the business, I would say it is in um, the ability to have a bit of objectivity and independence from the day-to-day running of everything so whilst understanding what needs to be done we're not consumed in the day-to-day business activities 
And what that enables us to to do is to have a level of visibility and and um, ability to kind of see the the broader picture and therefore help the rest of the business to focus where it needs to and and address the compliance risk for the business whereas without distracting them from what they need to focus on day to day if that makes sense okay and uh, andre yeah I, I tend to agree definitely on on stephanie's perception but i also think that compliance and ethics function whether it's a function or one person or department of 25 people is a general and natural evolution of the organization in the modern times. Because if we go back, Alex, what we are thankful for now after the industrial revolution is the whole employee health and safety standards and, and working hours and things like that. And uh, we couldn't, or Americans couldn't land on the moon without the proper engineering and computing department and quality and test standards. Uh, it just happened so that in, in the space of last 20 years, some companies and some regulated companies like pharma, oil and gas, telecom, they concentrated on compliance and ethical standards of doing business because the uh, quid pro quo and bribery behaviors that were perhaps more common in the past were no longer tolerated by the, by the society and by the organizations. And if I look at the trends of 2021, the whole topic about equality and diversity and inclusion uh, becomes a new compliance. And I, I, I see big, big organizations creating dedicated teams and departments and roles of uh, EDNI officer being advertised, where the, the whole purpose of that function will be to manage the company strategy around equality, diversity, and inclusion. And, and that's where the future will be, right? But, but where compliance developed in the space of the last 20 years as the function that was created in recognition of the need to help companies manage their ethics a bit better and set out the right and wrong rules and, and associated processes. So that's where I, while I, I get where your questions come from, I, I'm a strong believer that uh, ethics and compliance function as a function is, is necessary for, for any company of, uh, of uh, a modern age, but whether and how it is structured is perhaps a different topic to debate. Okay, very interesting, Andre. But is it all just a bit of a fad then? Are we just evolving our uh, role to try and make ourselves uh, more valuable? Is it just a fad? I think yes and no, because on one hand, compliance function, the way we have been doing compliance you know, 15 and 20 years ago, and the way compliance departments, missions and visions and purposes are being articulated in the last five years, feels very different to me already. And some of the original concepts, they do fade away. They are being automatized or they are being delegated back or divested back to internal audit or financial controls or other control functions. And um, that's where compliance has its own evolution as the, uh, as the organizational structure. 
but I'm I'm also confident that the role of the function is, is here to stay for long, simply because it's part of company DNA and ultimately the company strategy as to the ethical tol ethical position, risk tolerance, and other aspects where compliance is a natural subject matter expert or go-to person to give that advice. Um, and maybe another aspect as to why uh, and compliance jobs are relatively secure in terms of future developments is I'm sure the regulatory enforcement will continue and regulatory complexities will continue around what kind of compliance programs companies are supposed to have, how many resources they're supposed to invest, and other external requirements which trigger that uh, necessity for the organizations to spend money on, on compliance departments and people. I would add, Andre, is um, that, yes, the, the regulatory enforcement may well increase, but I think also it, the society changes and expectations are constantly changing. So what compliance was 20 years ago was as it was because that's what society expected. What it is now is different because society is different. And that will continue to evolve and change. And as such, companies need to continue to evolve and change. And one of the, the responsibilities, I would argue, of, of a compliance and ethics function is to remain kind of aware of how society's expectation is changing and what impact that has upon the company. One of the key areas that I think of as a as a as a risk area that that I'm not necessarily saying we own it, but we should be very cognizant of within the compliance and ethics function is reputation, reputational risk. And that changes as society changes. So I mean all you need to do is look at some of the uh, examples over the last year where companies have inadvertently um, cause themselves some great reputational damage by perhaps their interactions on social media, even by trying to potentially do the right thing and engage in a in a particular uh, zeitgeist of uh, you know, for example, last week was uh, International Women's Day, and you know companies go out there and they say this is what we're doing. Sometimes that works well, sometimes that backfires. Um, and I think it's it's beholden upon the company to understand those kinds of risks and have somebody who is helping everybody within the organization to stay aware of that changing environment. Um, now, that's not to say that it has to be done by a compliance and ethics function. You know, it could be done that could sit somewhere else. Absolutely. But I think it's important that for the relative sort of risk areas that apply to each company, there is somebody or some function that is responsible for managing how the company deals with that risk. And often that's going to sit with compliance. But can you tell me, you know, some personal reflections on where you really feel you've added value as a compliance professional? Yeah. Practicality of compliance to, to help people make a judgment call or, or give them a very practical guidance about what to do or not to do in a particular situation, it's, it's what every compliance manager at the country, regional, or corporate level does on a daily basis. And that's where I, I, I tend to believe it's going to be difficult for organizations to have the same level of behavior and consistency 
without dedicated legal and compliance function, right? Whether it's a group of people or it's a it's a scope of authority that sits with with other managers. But where I also see the big value of of compliance as as the strategic function is to be that uh, a bit of know-it-all stress tester. And every time business wants to try a new strategy, launch a new project, go into a new market and open an office there, or even to launch a new product, is, is to be the person in the room who would be sense-checking how we had all the risks covered, right? Have we addressed our uh, regulatory aspects? Is GDPR and privacy aspects have been addressed in the context of the planned transaction? Are we aware about legal limitations of doing business in the country acts or tax consequences of structuring uh, uh, an arrangement in a particular fashion? And and that's where you can't really take that or you can't really fix that compliance role to talk about a bribery risk or any other particular risk in isolation. Um, the role of the ethics and compliance manager in the function is, is to be aware of the universe of things that potentially can go wrong and to be able to help the business with that what if question. What if we are challenged by the regulator? What if we're going to receive a complaint from a competitor? What if, if an employee will decide they are not personally comfortable with this strategy or approach and they decide to blow the whistle? How the company will be managing all of these eventualities? Uh, one may say it's a bit of a risk management uh, function and a risk advisor who could be doing that. Uh, but I think ethics and compliance manager or a person is is having all the necessary skill set to provide that advice and that's part of the of the value added i guess okay so if i'm listening to you properly you're saying we give confidence to the business we help with efficiency practical solutions uh, we are strategic as well though in terms of trying to help them manage risk here's here's the thing though i'm not seeing a great reduction in terms of bribery or I'm not seeing a great increase in the reputation of many industries. So what's going wrong? Well, how bad might it have been without a compliance function? <laughs> but I, I do see your point is, is you know, can, can you correlate the, the um, creation of compliance as, a, as a, an expertise or compliance functions coming into companies? Does it actually correlate to an improvement in standards? Does it correlate to a reduction in in risk. I, I was thinking about this earlier, you know, one of the models often referred to uh, think when thinking about compliance and how to encourage people to do the right thing or how to understand why people do the wrong thing is the, the Cressy fraud triangle, as you know, the rationalization opportunity and, and pressure. And I think, you know, we all know that under any particular set of circumstances, anybody can do something that they shouldn't do. Our job within the compliance and ethics function is to minimize the the opportunities and and make sure that people are equipped to deal with the pressure that they're put under. Arguably, the pressure that people are put under is increasing. Probably, you know, if you think about the way that companies are expected to perform, to continue to grow year on year on year, there's an increasing pressure there. It's probably no great surprise that often companies 
find themselves in hot water as a result of that pressure. And what I there's a phrase that a colleague of mine uses, and and she quite often sort of refers to this, and she says, "Slow down to move fast." Our job within the compliance and ethics function, I believe, is is to create the space for people to apply thought and judgment when they're under pressure, because the pressure's not going anywhere. <laughs> what we need to do is be able to, you know, the, the compliance program provides the, the rules and the processes, which limits the opportunity for people to do things they shouldn't do. But the cultural piece works on the rationalization. And part of that is providing people the time to go through the thought process to Andre's point, you know, what are all the things that you should be thinking about when you're going to undertake this exercise? And so often I think people are under so much pressure to do things very quickly. That is why you're perhaps still seeing all these headlines of, of everything going wrong because people are not slowing down to make those decisions to enable them to then move more quickly afterwards. Andre, Stephanie's trying to slow down the business. Um, uh, what, what do you say I, to that? I think I, I would reflect to your question, Alex, about why there are still bribes and misbehaviors, uh, that there would have been much more. Because if I reflect on my career in compliance, a number of projects and ideas and suggestions that I've stopped or advised the business not to proceed, or I've escalated to the investigation, um, is quite significant. And I'm sure anyone who was working in compliance at any level would be able to say the same. Um, and that means all this potentially inappropriate conduct hasn't happened. So in reality, the world became a bit better place. But I also think fundamentally, we're still relatively early in the evolution of the function. It's still 15, 20 years to see a, a massive and scalable impact. Because I'm just drawing a bit of analogy. I'm currently re-watching a, a TV series called Mad Men about the Madison Avenue in the US about 50s. And uh, the way the sexual harassment, drinking at work, all other common things of that time are depicted is just shocking by the standards of the modern age. But you clearly no longer see that kind of behavior in the workplace or not to that scale. And uh, it took uh, well 60 years, give or take, for that behavior to change. Uh, since we started talking about compliance relatively recently, uh, I think it's going to be another 10, 15 years from now when we can actually say it, it made an impact and uh, the social norms have actually changed, uh, but that's where our jobs will also evolve into something else. Okay, so I, listening to uh, what you, I was only joking about you slowing things down, Stephanie. I'm sure things are very, very quick. And anyway, uh, Andre's stopping lots of things happening, so he's a business blocker as well, which is shameful. But you, you've convinced me, you know, that yes, the function should exist. I suppose as I, I then consider, should it be centralized should we have that or should it be a more decent centralized kind of model where you're close to the business or do you think to your point earlier stephanie about being independent we need to be more centralized help me out with this i think this is this is a really tough one because there's pros and cons to, to each i i think and as, as is generally the case with things like this is a bit of a, a hybrid approach 
I think it's it's fundamentally important that the compliance sort of business partner people are close enough to the business to understand what they're doing. So they need they need close access. They need to be able to attend meetings. They need to be able to um, forge those relationships with the people that they're there to support. But they need to retain enough distance to be able to still have that objectivity in providing the guidance and advice. So there is a fine line. So you could argue, well, if you let's put a compliance person in in all of the meetings. Well, I'm not sure that's actually going to help because what they're probably going to do is then fail to have that objectivity over time because they're too close. So I think you do have to find that that balancing line, that tightrope that compliance has to walk between being a business enabler and supporting and understanding, but having enough separation to be able to go, hold on a second. And, and I don't think there is an easy answer to that. Other than, you know, I think as most compliance functions are structured is you almost have like two arms to compliance. One is your day-to-day business advice and the other is your sort of operations. How do you set up your framework? How do all your processes and systems work? And have a degree of sort of separation in those two that enables you to kind of to work both sides of, of what's needed in the function. But as far as sort of centralized and decentralized is concerned, I do think the, the overarching important point for, for a compliance function is to understand the people who are doing the business on the ground. And that invariably means in some instance, you need people in those markets, people with that knowledge, people able to, to practically understand what is trying to be achieved, not somebody who sits in an ivory tower who says, well, of course you can't do that. It's obvious. And doesn't then provide practical guidance for people who face these situations on a daily basis. And from my perspective, honestly, it's it's uh, it's also dependent on how the company wants to to structure the operations. Right? You can have an approach where compliance is a dedicated function, a bit of a, a supercomputer person who gets who get who can answer any question and who sits in a separate office, and that's what he or she is doing uh, through the working hours. Or you can approach compliance as a function to say, we're actually going to empower line managers to have sufficient knowledge and expertise on certain topics where they can guide their employees and address their questions. And that's not even decentralized compliance. It's a bit of that embedded compliance uh, where the, the job or the function is performed as part of line management uh, and doesn't require a dedicated resource. And from my personal experience, it's often down to who you can rely on in, in the country or in the market. Uh, because with some general managers and other functional heads, there is a natural understanding that we are on the same page and you would trust them to exercise compliance judgment with other general managers. You would say, well, given the experience or the profile or the individual background, we actually need a dedicated compliance head in that market to be able to counsel and advise and provide that dedicated support to make sure we do not get into trouble. Because when you look at, at where companies put compliance managers, it's usually those high-risk countries and jurisdictions like China, Russia, Latin America, 
where it's easy to get into trouble and that's where a dedicated oversight or support is, is necessary. In less prone markets, uh, you can probably get away with lean resource structure or even no dedicated function because people are generally on the same page about what's right and what's not so much. Very helpful, both, and thank you for helping me resolve my momentary existential crisis and my amnesia about what I've been doing for the past many years. But I've, I've clearly seen the value that we can add in our function, whether that be in providing confidence to the business to take at least not unethical risks, but business risks to help make sure day to day they know how to address those compliance risks, enable practical and pragmatic initiatives and projects to take place. And while it may change as society's expectations change, no doubt we will uh, meet the task and whether centralized or decentralized, there will be uh, some function there to help uh, the business meet those external needs and, in, and build that culture. And like we were just talking about, help build within employees the capabilities and providing the tools to help them address those risks. So thank you both very much. And uh, dear listener, I hope you have found this interesting and insightful.